Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz, and today we are going over all things DFS ahead of Championship Sunday. As always in this edition of the podcast, I am joined by none other than Andrew Erickson, the prop prophet himself. Andrew, happy last uh, DFS show, my friend. We have done this for... This will be 21 straight weeks. I think we've had a lot of fun, a lot of success. Let's end on a high note, huh? Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely got to end on a high note. I think that last week was good. No, I was checking over the props from last week, and I was like, oh, my God. Like I knew I knew the Titans. Uh, the Titans, tight ends really came through for us with basically <laughs> just zeroing together. Ferkser, Jeff Swaim did literally nothing, so that was great to see. But, yeah, no, excited. You know, just two games, so it's really easy to kind of – you know, talk it through, but every player matters, you know, you know, who you pick between, you know, Cooper Cup, Terry Kill, it's all going to matter significantly. Every play matters. And you know what, Andrew, if we lose in the wise words of Tyler Durden, it could be worse. A woman could cut your penis off while you're sleeping and toss it out the window of a moving car. So that's kind of the strategy I'm going in here. Want to win money, but even if we don't, things could always be worse. So yeah, like you said, just two games, nothing too crazy to go over here. So we're going to kind of abbreviate the cash game section a little bit. Because, Andrew, you know, we do 21 straight of these. We end up being on the same page more times than not. Fairly straightforward with the way the pricing works out. I don't think you need to sacrifice too much, uh, you know, just overall kind of projection here. Usually we're trying to fight to find uh, the best way to get the most points in the lineup this week. I think it's easier than usual. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, running back, you know, getting a little bit cheaper with Cam Akers and Jarek McKinnon, only so we can get all the way up to Cooper Cup. Maybe Jamar Chase, Byron Pringle. Also want Travis Kelsey and Tyler Higby in our tight end flex. Andrew, I'm with you on basically all this. I think the one kind of two-for-two question we need to have is what do we want to do at wide receiver? Because, yeah, we're getting up to Cooper Cup. There's not a Cup or Devontae Adams debate this week. Thank God, because, uh, you know, that was tough to go through and unfortunately didn't quite end up on the right side of it. With that said, the lineup I just spelled out, we're still a little bit over the number if we want to get up to Pringle. I'm with you. He is the number two in Kansas City in terms of snaps, targets, whatever you want to look at in that wide receiver room. With that said, if we go down 500 to Demarcus Robinson, then we can fit either Jamar Chase or Tyreek Hill in there. So we have Patrick Mahomes already. How do you feel Chase versus Tyreek, Andrew, if that's you know exactly what it comes down to? I think I prefer Chase, honestly. I, I you know last week we talked about you know Tyree Kill and how his price was just really it didn't make a lot of sense. He was at 6,600, so then he obviously goes off over 30 fantasy points. And that's kind of how I looked at it with Jamar Chase. Like, why is Chase not priced up above 7K? Like, like isn't I mean, he was just as good as a lot of these other guys we're talking about. Tyree Kill, I'd argue he was more consistent than Tyree Kill. I know Hill was dealing with some injuries coming off the COVID list. But, I mean, Chase has gone over 100 yards in his last four games, and he's not 7K. And, like, what what are we thinking that, that or, what you know, what is the defense going to do that's going to make us think, oh, well, Chase obviously can't go off in this game. You know, the fact that he went for, like, 250 yards the last time he <laughs> played the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I, I don't think that just looking at last week's Gabriel Davis performance, big, all right, well, that means, like, these Bengals receivers will go off. Obviously, the Chiefs. We're missing one of their top cornerbacks in Fenton. Tyron Matthew basically didn't play the entire game. So I don't think we're going to see necessarily as many fireworks from Josh Allen like with Joe Burrow this specific week. But, I mean, I don't know what else we need to talk about with Chase. He has a 31% target share in the last three games that he has played. You know, Joe Burrow has turned to him more than any other receiver in his offense, you know, as of late. And I just think that makes it, I mean, that's higher than Cooper Cup's target share, you know, over the past three weeks. So, 
I mean, yeah, for me, I'm going to take the savings and, and play Jamar Chase. Same thing. If we can get up even an extra $200 chase versus Debo Samuel, I think the answer is yes. It's great getting the rush attempts for Debo. And the guy is so damn good that he's regularly making the most out of eight to 10 of them. But Andrew, like it's legal to also throw him the ball more than a handful of times per game. I think the stat is he hasn't had five catches. He's had five catches in the game, like once out of his last nine. And again, it just seems like with chase to your point four straight with a hundred yards against a defense that didn't even come close to having an answer for this dude i mean chase probably does deserve to be the week's wide receiver too behind cooper cup yeah no i mean he's definitely the guy that i liked the most if you look at pffs dfs optimizer he comes in as the number one value wide receiver on the go. main slate so and again you know we just want to cement the play even further check out pffs wide receiver cornerback matchup chart number one on the chart is jamar chase so you know that that thing has had a pretty good hit rate especially with these bengals receivers i feel like we've <laughs> talked about t higgins you know highlighting on there at some weeks and he would go off that week so yeah i mean jamar chase everything is there for the taking and i just don't i think that he's just mispriced running back position i think we're on the two guys cam Akers at just 5k jerry mckinnon 5100 like it, it's just a big time like to see clyde Edwards Hilaire priced up higher than both these guys just seems like an egregious pricing uh mishap and then having to go up a full thousand to get to mitchell basically a full two thousand to get all the way up to joe mixon it does seem like with acres and mckinnon andrew even if there is i think some risk for acres role being dialed back after those two fumbles maybe man it was sony michelle playing all four snaps after that second fumble on the final drive uh with that said i think again the price is cheap enough and as we've kind of talked about in cash like we're fine eating the chalk if it helps us get the rest of the lineup where we want it to be in cash games. I think Cam Akers is that guy. 41% projected ownership. McKinnon is the highest on the slate at 49%. We are seeing Clyde Ebersolaire right there, but I don't see the Clyde love, Andrew. Give me Jarek and give me Akers. Yeah, I mean, when you look at with running back, you're just looking for the volume and the touches. And you you look at the slate, we have four, you know, game. we have four teams. So we have four starting running backs. And it's pretty clear, like, who should be leader of each backfield just based on what we've seen. It's Akers, McKinnon, Mixon, and Mitchell. So, you know, why am I going to pay $2,000 more for Mixon when Akers could get more touches than him or McKinnon could catch more passes than him? Like, it doesn't make any sense to do it. Obviously, in a tournament style, it's like whichever one of these guys ends up scoring three times, like that's going to be the guy that ultimately is in the tournament winning lineup. But for a cash lineup, you're just trying to lock in that volume. And, you know, don't pay it for it when you can get guys, I mean, Akers and McKinnon, Akers is going to be at least seeing 20 touches and McKinnon, maybe not as much, but we know he's involved in the receiving game. PPR on DraftKings is the way that the format is scored. So, yeah, I mean, even with Edward Solaire, you know, involved, Daryl Williams potentially coming back, I still think that McKinnon, I mean, why go away from this guy? You know, he's been really productive for them. So I still think that he is the favorite to lead the backfield. Obviously, things can happen, randomness, but that's who I would lean on. With Again, guys, save a little bit of money somewhere to get these ballers, and that is going to be through going two tight ends. We need Travis Kelsey to link with Mahomes, obviously, after that. Leaning towards Tyler Higby, obviously, it's going to be much tougher to get up from Higby to Kittle. Why Higby over Uzama, Andrew? And I'm actually proud of you. I think you've come a long way for not uh, going with Kendall Blanton in that 2700 price tag. Maybe in a tournament or two. You know, it is only uh, four games playing after all. But, you know, m mature decision uh, by you, my friend, here in the cash games. Higby versus Uzama. Just, I guess, like with Higby, we've been seeing more of it in uh, recent weeks and more confidence kind of in that Rams passing attack. 
Yeah, I, I like Higby a little bit more based on his recent role. So 19% target share over the last four weeks, 19 catches, 221 receiving yards. Those are all second behind Travis Kelsey uh, of the remaining tight ends. So he's definitely clearly operating, you know, pretty close to like the second receiver alongside Odell Beckham Jr. in the Rams offense. Van Jefferson has really kind of fallen to the wayside, kind of similar to how Tyler Boyd has kind of fallen off a little bit for the Bengals. But I do think that Higby, you know, because he's been a little bit more involved. And if you look at Uzoma, and, you know, we'll get into this when we talk about the props, you know, his targets have been pretty good. You know, he said, I think, six targets, and I believe his last five or six games, which is really good. But his receiving yardage has kind of been inflated, I think, a little bit suspiciously because he's had a bunch of, like, big gains. So, like, last week he had a 32-yard pickup, you know, in the last play of the half. Like, like there's nobody covering him. It was like a dump off from, from Joe Burrow, and he just ran he 32 fought yards. He every one of those yards. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, 32 yards from, like, a pretty, you know, garbage play, you know, something you're not going to expect to necessarily replicate. And then the week prior, was against the Raiders, who were the worst team against tight ends, and he had another big game for 29 yards. So, but week 7 through 17, he had one game with more than 36 receiving yards. So, I think Uzoma, yes, if you, like – just need someone to play as like a floor. I'm like, okay, like I can get that. But I do think that Higby has the better floor ceiling combination. I mean, you look at what he's done against the 49ers, three touchdowns in two games against the 49ers. So if he catches a touchdown, he's automatically going to return on the investment. And then you get the added addition of targets and receptions that he's racking up in the Rams offense. So I do want to try to get up to Higby. I mean, it's not even that much. I mean, I think Higby again is really just underpriced. Like yeah. he has a really good role in the Rams offense and he's at 3,700. I think he really should be priced closer to where Kittle is and not necessarily down where Uzoma is. I mean, Higby like broke Dwayne's kind of tight end model type thing. Like he just, <laughs> there was like a certain threshold of snaps and routes. And basically every player that achieved this had been having a bunch of fantasy success over the years. Higby was the one that broke it all throughout the year. You're seeing these every down snap rates, a good amount of targets in a good offense. But to your point, Andrew, three touchdowns on the year against the 49ers, two against the rest of the NFL. But hey, we're facing the 49ers. So let's go. Tyler Higby locked and loaded in that flex spot. That is basically basically our cash game show again Patrick Mahomes at quarterback Cam Akers and McKinnon at running back cup probably got to go down to Demarcus Robinson and then Jamar Chase at wide receiver Higby Kelsey at tight end and flex and then our 49ers if you can get them on the defense special teams Andrew like people like the whole Jimmy Garoppolo discussion why isn't it as easy as saying like he got outscored by his special teams last week like can we just end it with that man like let's give Nick Bosa and these guys some credit I know it's the pump lock team uh, that got the job done but I don't know man so I would uh, agree that going with the 49ers uh, probably makes the most sense there just with the pressure and Stafford as we know one of these guys that even when he does get the job done is you know going to be out there throwing a couple picks taking a few sacks from time to time as well any final cash game thoughts andrew so i know we have chase in there so if you hypothetically speaking so if you move down from chase to higgins what Uh does that give you to then move off of demarcus robinson like what would our what would the next best option be i don't hate that call let me uh let me get things going here Cause yeah, cause all right, you said like, how are they going to stop chase? And I hear you, but we did just see them do a pretty damn good job on Stefan Diggs, Uh, and then accordingly allowing Gabriel Davis to go out. So, okay. We got McKinnon acres. Cause I mean, cause I mean, if I don't have to play Demarcus Robinson and just take a zero, I would like, ideally I'd like that. Um, okay. and again, I'm- Higgins does see targets in the offense too. Again, I don't think it's as locked and loaded as chase, but, um, it like leaves said, us, leaves us about five K. So, Ayuk, 
Kittle, that's better than Demarcus Robinson. I'll tell you that much, but now yeah. we're going to Higgins instead of Jamar Chase. So, again, that's kind of like the 2v2 thing. I'm not saying you have to do that, but something between that your two wide receiver spots. So I think everything else is pretty much shored up. I'm not sure where else we would really uh, be wanting going uh, different directions there. So do you like Higgins and like uh, an Ayuk or Kittle more than Chase and Robinson? So like, I kind of like, still lean Chase. Yeah, like I don't like Robinson, but it's almost like I, I, if, if Chase scores 40 points, then it's like whatever Robinson. Robinson was the pathway to get to Chase. And I don't really care what Robinson does. And then, yeah, you like mentioned those 5K guys. So you mentioned um, we can go Mikol, Kittle and Ayuk. And it's like, OK, one of those guys goes off, but it's just the 49ers are so they need to fall behind their they're game script dependent. Only one of the 49ers receivers is going to be able to go off in any given week. It's like I'd almost rather play like Pringle, but then we're eating salary, and it's like, oh, like gross. So yeah, I'll probably just you know stick with Chase. <laughs> what if we uh we could go Miko over Robinson? Does that fancy you a little bit more? No, <laughs> I really only like Pringle. Kyle. I really like Pringle in that uh in that range because he actually like leads the team in targets over the last three weeks. Um, but, <sighs> but here's the worst part. This Mahomes. is the worst part. We just, again, with this shell, we could go off Mahomes if we really want to just completely rethink everything, but I don't think so. <laughs> like, if we, we are literally 100 extra dollars away if we go down from San Fran to Cincy defense and just say, screw it. And then we still can't quite get up to Pringle. So that's the uh, annoying part, man. I hear you. I want Pringle too. Um, we could get Tyler Boyd if we move off of the 49ers defense. So there are some options in that, again, like that 4,200 and below range maybe you just want to punt and go with Jawan Jennings I've heard of worse ideas as well either way it's those two wide receiver spots that I think you a devoted listener of the PFF fantasy football podcast are qualified to make on your own unfortunately Andrew I just don't think that we're going to get any sort of injury value spoiler we will not be having our injury pod uh, this week because there's just nothing really to talk about uh, okay real life football absolutely but you know Honey Badger he's in the concussion protocol we'll see if he can clear it in time everyone else on the Chiefs is practicing in full with the Bengals all I need to worry about is, you know, Cam Sample, Stanley Morgan, uh, and some other backups really in a limited fashion. Their starters are all good to go. With the Rams, the only notable DMP was Van Jefferson, but Sean McVay already cleared up that that was more of a knee slash rest day, so not worried there. And then with the 49ers, like, we'll see, but Elijah Mitchell not practicing on Wednesday. He's kind of had this uh, going on throughout the playoffs and the end of the season as well. And when you see Trent Williams also resting, you know, Nick Bosa, Alex Mack, you just kind of get the sense that they're resting some of their more used players that are a little bit banged up because they've been playing football for 21 straight freaking weeks. So, uh, yeah, so not going to get too much help on the injury front um alas that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes andrew let's talk a little more about tournaments now because it's a little bit different this week uh because of the two game slate usually at quarterback your ownerships can be pretty flat across the position even like your highest projected ownership player usually isn't that much higher than 10 percent, and because of that it doesn't really, you don't have to pay as much attention to ownership at quarterback. Now, that's not true this week. We have some massive discrepancies. You guys can always check out our projected ownership over at pff.com slash DFS slash ownership. And Patrick Mahomes, far and away, the number one highest projected owned QB at 66%. And then we got Joe Burrow at 24.7%. 
Matthew Stafford at 7%, and Jimmy Garoppolo at just 1.6%. I've been cracking up at, you know, the, the the dragon meme where it shows like the three fierce ones and then the one that looks like it maybe has like some mental health issues or whatever. And this, that's always the Jimmy G one, of course. But Andrew, for one Sunday and two games, like every tournament lineup I'm making, man, it's going to be led by Jimmy G or Stafford. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a ton of sense. And really just hoping that the Mahomes burrow game doesn't go off like you just have to hope that those guys have just eh games um i know i like the burrow side specifically even like even at burrow's percentage where it's at 24 i still think that's an interesting way to get off of yep. mahomes at really high because again like you know you obviously want to play a low roster quarterback but you know there are other ways to get unique and it may be like i'll just play mahomes and then i'm going to play i'm going to hit on one of these other chiefs guys i'm going to play edward Solaire instead of mckinnon so there are ways to get different and still play a chalk because if Mahomes goes out and scores 40 points and it's like probably doesn't matter how what Stafford does or Jimmy <laughs> G does because you just don't have the raw points to get to where Mahomes is at and you can still yeah. roster Chiefs players you just don't necessarily roster the quarterback so I do think that Burrow and Stafford are probably guys that'll try to adapt I mean especially Stafford too I thought that was really low I figured Mahomes was going to be the favorite I figured Burrow would kind of come in at second but between Burrow and Stafford they're pretty closely priced I thought that we'd see more of that flatten out a little bit but I mean, I mean, Stafford, again, maybe people are just not buying in still. And we look at the matchup for him against the 49ers. Again, he hasn't been great against San Francisco when he's played him this year. And last week, I know you mentioned it when we were talking about tournaments in Matthew Stafford, how heavy the Buccaneers are at blitzing. And the 49ers are not like that. The 49ers have blitzed Stafford 10 times in the two games that he's played. He's all the other dropbacks. He has 71 other non-blitz dropbacks. And on those plays, he's eight for nine, 105 (laughs) yards and two touchdowns. He massacres the blitz. Yes, exactly. So it's like, all right, just don't don't pull the engage eight. I know I do it in Madden all the time and I get really pissed off. I'm just like, whatever, sending everybody engage eight and then touchdown. Oh, of course, exactly what happens. So I do think Stafford, you know who to stack him with. And you'll know because that's the second game. So if Burrow and Mahomes kind of like are eh, they pour like 2018 points or something like that, then you're like, you have you have a shot to play Stafford. So I probably can't get behind Jimmy G. Honestly, I mean, I don't know. I, I think playing Stafford is good enough to to get different. I stopped uh, picking actual defensive plays in NCAA football about five years ago. We just go <laughs> three five three. All the linebackers are blitzing, and I user control whoever is like supposed to guard the running back. So we are cover zero every single play. Give up the touchdown and give the ball back to the offense, or we'll make a big play on defense. I refuse to waste my life watching the computer pick it, pick apart his own defense. You know, time and time again, drive and drive again. Uh, yeah. So everyone, I would encourage you like listen to the podcast Dwayne and I recorded. If you want a lot more, like again, you know, in depth blitz, the best matchups and things like that information. But that kind of is why I'm willing to get off of. My Mahomes here in the tournament because I think this is a sneaky, tough matchup. We saw this Bengals defense do a great job against Mahomes in that first game. I get it. You know, he still was able to put up, I believe, uh, 31 points on the afternoon. But this was actually combined, if you look at what Kelsey and Tyree Kill did. I mean, they only combined to average 5.9 yards per reception. That was their lowest mark all season long. What happened? I mean, Miko Hardman made a 53-yard over-the-shoulder catch downfield. 
Pringle had a 27-yard catch. Robinson, 29 yards. Blake Bell, 24 yards. All the guys that usually aren't supplying the big plays did that day, and it worked out fine enough. But, man, like you look at last week and Mahomes not having a single pass, like thrown 20 yards downfield for the first time in his career. And the one way of looking at it is like, oh, look, he's figured out how to beat these two high looks. Like everything is great now. There's no way of ever slowing down Mahomes. But I also kind of look at it and it's like, okay, if we can avoid letting Tyreek Hill, you know, completely break our next-gen stats like expected uh, receiving yards here. Miko Hartman did the same thing on that rush attempt. You know, I don't want to call it like fluky or lucky, Andrew. They made those plays in a big game against a better defense, I think, than the Bengals. But we saw the Bengals have some success against this group. They have a talented secondary. We saw that against the Titans. I just think this one could be, you know, a little bit rougher for Mahomes and company than uh, perhaps we're given credit for. So, in cash, it's 66%. Just take your square there and we'll compete with everyone else but I do like the call of going elsewhere in tournaments and to your original point uh, yeah that discrepancy between Burrow and Stafford isn't big enough so I'm absolutely fine uh, going with Burrow in tournaments as well talk a little running back here so we talked in cash about wanting Akers and McKinnon I didn't want I want to look at how the cheapest we can get, the most disgusting we can go because there's basically three guys under 5K that if you want to differentiate a lineup, I do think one of them is in play. It's not Samaja Piran. Two or fewer touches in five straight games. It's not Kyle Juszczyk. He hasn't had five touches in the game other than when Trey Sermon basically led uh, the backfield there for one week and they still didn't trust him against the Packers. What about Sony Michelle, Andrew? Cam Akers did fumble twice in a playoff game. He was dominating usage before that, but again, Sony came in every single snap on the last drive two weeks ago it was split between Sony and Akers I mean at a minimum bro I think we're going to see Sony have a higher touchdown than these guys and crazier things have happened um, in a a two game slate so God forbid Akers happens to get a little banged up during the game I do think if you want to do a shot in the dark tournament play it's Sony Michelle he gives you huge upside God forbid something happens to Akers and there's a chance that I think it could just be split based on the end of last week no, I think that that makes perfect sense. And it makes perfect sense with the context of the slate they play in the late afternoon. So if you're go. sitting on Cam Akers and you stacked Mahomes with the wrong quarter, the wrong receiver or the wrong, like it was Hardman you needed not Pringle. You know, it was Higgins you needed to not chase. Something like that happens. You're like, I got to catch the field. You swap off Akers, who you have in your lineup, and you play Michelle instead. doesn't matter what salary at that point. Like, who cares if you're eating, you know, whatever the, the discrepancy between the two players is. You need to just get different. And the amount of times I've, like, been ready to late swap and, like, for play this, like, fringy running back. I'm like, all right, like, I know, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. It's like, when you late <laughs> swap, you should feel uncomfortable. Like, it should feel weird. And that means you're doing it the, the correct way. So <laughs> I remember I was swapping it was a couple weekends ago when it was the Chiefs and I was swapping to like Derek Gore. Cause I was like, oh man, I need like a running back. And of course it was McKinnon. It wasn't Derek Gore. And I was like, oh man, like I, I was like, the process was right, but I just like didn't execute it. Yeah. So I think that Michelle makes, of course, it's going to be like Jake Funk that, you know, goes out and has like a two touchdown game. But yeah, if you're not cashing or your lineup, you have a couple misses, especially because like we're going to know you know, who the players you needed going into the second game are. Like, if you don't have the guy that scores 30 points on a one or two-game slate, then you're screwed. Like, you have to get someone else that's going to be lower-rostered, which Sony Michelle definitely is in this case. 
real quick now with the wide receiver position i just want to kind of go over some of the pecking orders that we saw in the last round so if you are you know looking to try to again dumpster dive hopefully you're actually doing with someone that will be on the field a little bit with the chiefs tyreek hill 83 percent snaps byron pringle 76 percent demarcus robinson 64 miko hardman down there at 41 percent but miko does have five rush attempts over the past three weeks i would still probably lean miko just a little bit ahead of demarcus robinson if you could uh, but i understand if you know answer would rather be no when you can help it and get up to Byron Pringle with the 49ers. This is where it's a little interesting. So Ayuk 96%, Debo 69%, and Juwan Jennings at 56%. And we're seeing him really sitting as like the cheapest possible guy that we could have any sort of expectations for at 3,200. My apologies, everyone. I brought up this quote a few times, and I think I probably just misinterpreted it wrong when I first heard about it. But the statement that Kyle Shanahan made about Jawan Jennings, you know, playing like he's blacked out, I took as a negative. I think it was meant as much more as a positive. This is the full quote. Jawan, he's going so hard. He's always borderline. I'd say 95% blacked out, which makes you play at a certain level, which is awesome. That other 5%, uh, he knows how to play within the lines and be smart about it. So hand up, my bad, not a negative. Uh, I was saying this in looking forward to the potential for Muhammad Sanu to come back. He hasn't come back yet, so it's it's all good, Andrew. Haven't haven't uh, had a chance to, you know, go in with my stupid original idea. We've relearned the information, we've adjusted, and we're now back in on Jawan Jennings. I don't know how tuned in people are going to be to Muhammad Sanu uh, coming back into this situation, but it might not matter, man. Right now, again, on our ownership dashboard, 3.1% ownership for Jawan Jennings. He scored two touchdowns the last time these guys matched up. If you need a price saver on this slate, it's got to be Juwan Jennings. Yep. Yeah. You you just got to late swap to some of these fringier players, especially if we get like an inactive that Mohamed Sanu's not even playing. Like that would be like, yeah. that would make you feel really good about the Jennings play because that's just the one concern. It's like if Sanu is active, it's like, oh no, like is his staff's going to get cut from 60% out to 30%? And that just makes it much more tougher to get behind him. And it's like, you don't almost even think about, oh, Mohamed Sanu, does he throw a touchdown in this game? Like, I wonder what, like, what, like, what are the odds on that? That Mohamed Sanu comes back and throws a touchdown like that. I'm all over that type of, uh, that type of uh, conference championship bet. But um, I do think that another guy that's interesting from the receiver. So Van Jefferson, so he's down kind of in where basically he's the next lowest rostered or projected rostered wide receiver um, in front of Jennings. So Van Jefferson, so he's at 3,900. And I mean, it makes sense like why he's not popular because his target share has dwindled, you know, it's down to 10% over the last four weeks. He's really getting, you know, not nearly as involved as like Higby, Odell Beckham. And I like actually a lot of unders on his props, but again, sometimes props don't hit, sometimes I'm wrong. And he, the one thing that I noticed about Jefferson, at least looking at him last week, so he saw four targets, two of which were high value targets. It's something I look at every single week looking at, okay, who's seeing downfield targets. And we, in, a, in a week where we really didn't see much downfield targets, like, at all, uh, Van Jefferson did get some. Like, he got one downfield target. He also got a target in the end zone. So, at 3,900, you know Van Jefferson can, can deliver one big play that could end up being the difference in a two-game slate. So, yeah. yes, the, the peripheral metrics are terrible for Van Jefferson. Would not want to play him in cash because he could literally go out and do zero. But if you need an upside play that's cheap – that you get you get off of if you play Odell Beckham, okay, you play Jeff Van Jefferson instead in the second window. I think that that would make a lot of sense. Speaking of Van, he is now fully in the three wide receiver set. Like we have Ben Skoronek out there for Bennett. 
Skowinek, excuse me, out there of, <laughs> for really like splitting reps with them for a week or two. Last week, though, Cup, 100% snaps, OBJ, 92%, Van Jefferson, 90%. Basically, same thing with the Bengals. They've been like our nice godsend here in the usage takeaways. They do the same thing every week. Boyd, Chase, Higgins out there in three wide. Uzama's an every down tight end. Joe Mixon might lose a couple pass down snaps to Samaj Piran. They throw him the ball, and he's got the biggest workload of any running back remaining basically. Now, there is Kendall Bland sitting there. He scored a touchdown last week. He's only 2.7K. I can't do it, Andrew. This guy has run four routes last week, three routes the week before, three, two, one before that. You have to go back to week 14, 15 to find the last time that he was anything resembling really involved in this offense, and that was heavily assisted by injuries that are no longer no longer on the table. So, yeah, Andrew, as, as much as you know, we love our cheap tight ends, I think uh, Uzama is probably the lowest we can go in this one. And, if again, if you want to save the most money possible, I just think it's Juwan Jennings. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and really that's, you know, Blanton is really a play for if you're doing 150 lineups and that's <laughs> where you have to incorporate, you know, injuries. Like, because if there is yeah. a guy that gets hurt in mid game and then one of these guys pops off, like no one's going to play them. And that's yeah. kind of why I try to stick more towards some smaller field GPPs. So that way you don't get beat by that. Because it, it sucks when, you know, you don't have Kendall Blanton because you didn't think he was going to play at all. And then he does because Tyler Higby, you know, pulls his hamstring or something like that happens. And that's part of how you have to play when you play in some of these large field right. tournaments. You have to kind of think a little bit outside the box. I mean, if you're literally in a tournament with hundreds of thousands of people, like you have play, to really play start- the backup quarterbacks at that point, <laughs> man. Like, like there's, uh, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you know, when we talked about this, like contrary, Great quote from, you know, my old editor does great stuff, uh, you know, fade the noise, Matthew Friedman. Like, contrarianism is not a license to be an effing moron. So we need to try to find that line between, yes, being different, trying to think about the, uh, you know, all the possible outcomes, and also not just playing a bunch of horrendous guys that are never going <laughs> to touch the football. But, no, I think that's a good point, Andrew. If you are doing, like, the 150 lineups things, guys like Kendall Blanton, you know, especially uh, your Sony Michelles of the world. of the world, And, hey, I mean, uh, you know, looking at the 49, who would be Jeff? Is it Jeff Wilson? I guess they're giving Trey, Elijah Trey everything. Trey Lance. <laughs> Spring yeah. and Trey Lance, just in case. <laughs> My goodness. Now I'm just trying to, who was their number two? Because I mean, it's just been an Elijah, Debo, and Juice Check actually touching it. Yeah, well, um, Wilson, I know, but he's kind of banged up. And then Jamichael Hasty's the other running back they have. Okay, no, yeah, it was Hasty was actually the one that did steal a couple snaps last week. So yeah, yeah. You, you think uh, Mitchell, you know, is going to suffer if you're just you know able to predict if you if you predicted Raheem Mostert was only going to play two snaps <laughs> this year, and you got a funny feeling about Elijah Mitchell, Jamichael Hasty is probably that guy, pal. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up our DFS conversation. But Andrew has some props for us once again. My man went six and one last week, absolutely crushing it. Josh Allen over 48 and a half rushing yards, cashed. Aaron Jones under 48 and a half cash to Mark Chase, Joe Burrow overs, easy cashes, Tannehill under 235 and a half passing yards, no problemo, and Jeff Swain under two receptions, favorite one of the week comes true. Only one we couldn't get Andrew was Elijah Mitchell over 71 and a half rushing yards, but again, six and one, how can anyone complain? Couldn't be me. What do you got for the people this week? Yeah, I know the Elijah Mitchell one was like one I felt pretty good about too, because especially because the game script was like perfect for him, just like yeah. getting the rock, and it wasn't like oh they fell behind and you know he got game scripted out, but it just no, he just didn't work out. But yes, the the Tennessee Titans just seeing those those donuts put up by those two guys, man, <laughs> that, that felt great on a uh, a Saturday evening. <laughs> but uh, so for this week, I I do like a lot of the props. So I mentioned Van Jefferson before. And right now, so his 
receiving receptions prop, excuse me, is at two and a half. And I mean, that's simply just too large of a number for a guy that has hit this number. I'm just double checking right now to make sure I have the right numbers in front of me, but he has hit, he's gone over this number once in his last seven games. Like, like I think that's a hit rate that you definitely want to bet on. And yeah. I know I talked about he could deliver in DFS. He could do that in two catches. Like he could catch an 80 yard touchdown and that's still hitting the under on two and a half receptions. Like, so that's like the difference. And that's kind of why I think I have. And I think as fantasy players, you have an edge with some of these receiving yards, props, with traps and props, because you know how they're used. Like, you know that Tyler Boyd is a guy you probably don't want to bet a lot of unders on from receptions, but you want to bet the unders on his receiving yards because yeah. he has a lower average depth of target. You know, things like that, I think, are really key and can help us expose some of these lines. So that's one thing I like with Van Jefferson, under two and a half receptions based on his 10% target share over the last four weeks. Um, this one is definitely, I think, my favorite. Patrick Mahomes over... 26 and a half rushing yards yeah um, you know he hit the over last week when it was at 20 rushing yards i think like it was basically on that first scramble i was like all right boom like patrick Mahomes at the over and it just has to go with the fact that the dude just turns on the rushing in the playoffs last eight playoff games uh is averaging 36 rushing yards per game he had 69 last week against the kansas or against the buffalo bills so i just think that yeah patrick mahomes and it's up since the regular season, regular season he was at 22 rushing yards per game, 36 in the playoffs, last eight playoff games. So I think Mahomes just, yeah, keep taking the overs on his rushing props in the playoffs. Elijah Mitchell under. Hey, uh, real quick, there was a cool thread on Twitter from Bobby Strope, at Bobby uh, Strope, and he was talking about uh, what is like, you know, game speed versus 40 time and some stuff like that. He's a health performance and player development consultant for the NFL, and he was breaking down Patrick Mahomes. He says that world-class athletes can run circle patterns at 80% of their max sprint speed, but somehow Patrick Mahomes can run it at 103%. Uh, I think that's based on his 40 time from what we got from like, you know, five years ago, whenever it was. So Patrick Mahomes like is actually like running just like the dude is a freaking complete freak out there. Freaking freak. Great, great vocabulary <laughs> use there, uh, Ian. But I think it applies, man. Like I, I sent out a tweet this week of just like every Mahomes scramble from the game, like the amount of sacks that this dude's just casually avoids. And then, you know, and then he's also, I think the best quarterback in the league at pretending to go out of bounds. And at the last second, he cuts up field for a few more, just, just absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah. To see that only 26, and a half and we've also seen him like again be far more willing to run the ball in the playoffs when it's last game of the year can't hold anything back as opposed to regular season so last week you had me at a uh, jeff swaim under two and under two receptions andrew this week that Mahomes rushing yards has the ian hearted stamp of approval you, all, all your props get my stamp of approval but this one especially so <laughs> no yeah i mean this one I, I bet several times probably gonna bet a couple more times you know we'll have a few drinks on saturday and i'd be like hey is Patrick Mahomes line at, you know, 40 yards yet? <laughs> okay, it's not all right. Let's 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 move this line. You know, my goal is to get up to like 60 rushing yards, but that's the <laughs> starts. That should be the goal of the PFF subscribers. Elijah Mitchell under two receptions. So Mitchell has is the bell cow for the 49ers, but they really like to feature him more on the ground than through the air. I know he had three catches and three targets last week, but overall the sample size, he has eight targets in his last four games. And he's actually has zero catches against the Rams this season. In the two games he's played against the Rams, they have not featured him whatsoever in the passing game. And he's still working in somewhat of a tandem when it comes to routes run with Kyle Juszczyk out of the backfield. So it was 50-50 last week. Juszczyk has actually run more routes over the last four weeks. So if I'm going to bet on one of these guys actually kind of breaking out a little bit more in the passing, I'll probably actually lean more towards Juszczyk, who actually has like one of the 
higher average depth of targets for a running back slash fullback player. Like they actually will have him run downfield routes, get him out of the you know, wheel routes, get him out of the backfield and kind of surprise um, downfield. So I'm going to go with Elijah Mitchell under two receptions. Next one up, Cam Akers under 58 and a half rushing yards. So obviously all the concerns about, okay, it's like Sony Michelle going to have like a role. Like that's like one way that this just hits because they just split the backfield a little bit more. Akers isn't as featured as we think that he will be. Okay, that's an easy way to kind of hit on this prop. But then the other aspect is you look at this 49ers run defense. It's, you know, it's, it's funny because we've talked about, I, I've taken unders on running backs facing the 49ers defense like the last three weeks. If it was Green it was Green Bay last week, the week before it, it was Dallas. So it's like, this is a run defense you do not want to play running backs against, especially on the ground. You look at what they've done since week 10, only one running back has allowed, has gone to 47 rushing yards. PFF's sixth highest graded run defense since week 10. They held Michelle to 43 yards and 21 carries in week 18. Dude, they're so. the only they're the only defense in the entire league allowing less than one yard before contact per carry. Like, remember how just terrified everyone was of the Buccaneers for the first like two <laughs> months of the year? That's like what the 49ers have now been for the entire season. Yeah. So, and and I know that you know, the Cam Akers story is obviously amazing. You know, coming back from the Achilles injury, and it seems like just. Everybody loves him on Twitter. You know, Dynasty Twitter loves him. I have him already ranked as like a top seven running back for 2022. But I mean, the guy's not been efficient and that's not necessarily all on him. You know, they're just pounding him in between the tackles on first and second down, but he's averaged 2.5 yards per carry in route to a 40.6 PFF rushing grade this postseason. So Akers hasn't really been super efficient coming back from the Achilles injury. So even with volume, uh, I just don't think that he's going to get to this number 58 and a half rushing yards. I think is actually a little bit too high, especially if Michelle has a larger workload than we are all anticipating CJ Uzoma tight end for the Bengals. His receiving props is really, really high 40 and a half receiving yards. I know I mentioned earlier, it's kind of boosted just from those last two games where he yeah. had plays of 29 yards, 32 yards. I mean, like he's 40 yards. Like it's never been that high all year. Like, and so for it to just kind of like explode up because of some recency buys, I think is just a little bit, um, is a good reason to go on the under. And then last but not least is Byron Pringle, 33 and a half receiving yards. Pringle was very close to getting to his yardage or yardage last week. It was at 35 and a half. It actually got bet down to 30 and a half. And I was sweating because he got 29 receiving yards last <laughs> week, but he still had seven targets. He caught five passes and just somehow didn't get to 30 receiving yards. And he got five passes just because of like you'd mentioned, Mahomes just wasn't throwing the ball downfield. And yeah. Pringle was not. He actually dropped two passes, too. So he did not. Like, he was so close to getting there. Every time he got a target, I was like, Pringle, it's my guy. But uh, he's actually been playing more out of the slot. So I do like that against the Bengals ranked 30th in yards allowed to slot receivers this season. So Byron Pringle, I'm going back to the over at 35 and a half receiving yards. I think it's actually been bet down again to, to 33 and a half because just people are fading the Pringle. Not wow. me. Could, could, could it be me, Ian? So going back to over on Byron Pringle. Quickly recapping those. Van Jefferson under two and a half receptions. Patrick Mahomes over 26 and a half rushing yards. Elijah Mitchell under two receptions. Cam Akers under 58 and a half rushing yards. CJ Uzama under 40 and a half, 39 and a half receiving yards, wherever you can get it. And Byron Pringle over 33 and a half receiving yards. Like it, Andrew. Again, six and one last week. We've gone over your, again, we haven't kept your record for the entire season. I think maybe you were 0 2 like one week throughout there. Like we we tell everyone how the previous week went. And to your credit, man, you're nailing these things time and time again. 
Let's try to end it on a good stretch. That's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure you check out all of Andrew's always excellent work on PFF.com. I got a few, you know, cool things up there as well. And yeah, this will be our last uh, DFS show of the year. We'll be back with some Super Bowl stuff. We're going to incorporate that into like a mega preview, props, DFS, all that goodness in the one episode that you can always find wherever you listen to this podcast. So, Andrew, anything else you want to get off your chest? No, man, just make sure you go check out some of my work. Got the DFS cheat sheets up on the site. You also have more rankings, 2022 rankings. If you're looking forward to next season, next season regular draft, we got free agency primers on all the positions. Quarterbacks, receivers are written up. We're going to have running backs, tight ends also coming in the coming weeks. And then Dynasty Talk rookies got the top five rookie running backs. So if you've just been so engulfed in NFL action and you're like, who are these players? Like, who's going to be Najee Harris? Who's going to be the next Javante Williams? I got you covered. Plenty of Dynasty talk. We'll also be on your feed this Friday. I'm having Nate Liss on the pod. <laughs> you might know him as at an outraged Jew on uh, Twitter, one of the uh, more <laughs> creative and unique, uh, I think, handles I've seen out there. But Nate always brings a lot of fire. Him and uh, Matt Kelly do fantastic stuff at Player Profiler. Keep an eye out for that. And we'll have much more Dynasty content start ramping up as soon as we get done with Championship Sunday. So for Andrew, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody. Thank you.